What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Showcase Sports Show. As always, I am your co-host, Griffin Conant. Alongside with me today, as always, my other co-host, Elijah Cornejo. How are we doing, E? I'm doing great, Griff. How are you doing? Pretty good. You know, we uh, had a little intramural game last night, E. Probably one of the most greatest intramural games that has ever been played. It was Cornhole, ladies and gentlemen. Cornhole was the game that was played. Let's just say... It was uh, one for the ages. I mean, it was so incredible that we have to come onto this show and talk about it. Absolutely. It was definitely a remarkable cornhole game. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, we just had the wrist flicking. I mean, we had that perfect touch. I, it was an, a, a Game one was a little rough. So here, here's what happened. I'll give you a little breakdown before we get into things today. All right, so game one t- uh, comes around. Let's just say I, I'm not sure we were prepared to eat. Would you say that's a fair assessment? Uh, yeah, we went into it cold. I mean, um, it was not great. No. Yeah, I mean, I had the touch of a blacksmith out there, right? I mean, I, it was just unbelievable. I, I just could not get anything on the board. I think I got, I was like one for 20 all game. We I only, got I only hit, out in the first game. I only had about one thing on the board. I think it was what, 21 to 7 or something? Yeah, like I mean, one? we just get absolutely annihilated, right? I'm, I'm, we're feeling pretty down about ourselves, but hey, it's a series. So, you know, best of five. Let's, let's go out there and win the next two, right? So we come out guns blazing in this game too. We get the win, right? I mean, it was a hard-fought series or game. I, th- I think it was actually a, a pretty close game. I think it was what twenty-one eighteen or something. We found our rhythm. That's all I'm gonna say. And it and it leads us to this, you know, winner take all game three. It is twenty to twenty. First one to twenty-one. If any of you have ever played cornhole, if you go over twenty-one, you go back to fifteen. But I think we were playing eleven. I think we were playing wrong. Mm-hmm. So. We don't want to go over. We don't want to hit it in the hole. Each team keeps matching each other, right? So it's I'll hit one on the board. My, my partner hits one on the board. It was unbelievable. It was like it, you know total copycat game. It was it was incredible, and it comes down to the final shot, right? And this guy to my right, E, hits just the most perfect touch I've ever seen. It was unbelievable. I, I right when he left it, the bean bag, I could tell the rotation of the bean bag was just. <laughs> it was perfect. It was just. The it was a fairy angle tale. Was beautiful. Yeah, it was almost too good to be true. The launch angle, yeah, all the analytics, you know, the <laughs> it was unbelievable. So it comes down to their guy. All he's got to do is sit it on the board to keep going. And right when he released it, it was almost the exact opposite of your shot. Mm-hmm. I, I could tell it wasn't going to do it, and I knew we were victorious. Right when he released it. Yep, it was. And I've short. never been more thrilled in my life. And if you guys have been following us this whole summer, we didn't win one game, <laughs> one adult softball game or flag football game all summer, and we finally got the monkey off our back. The curse is broken. What a win. And we're now on our way to our first ever Cornhole Championship. That we're 1-0. We've got that another is. game next we week. Will, it's going to be great. We will update you guys weekly. <whistles> all right, Griff. So right now we are in the middle of the championship series for baseball. Right now in the NLCS, the Atlanta Braves currently have a 1-0 lead over the Los Angeles Dodgers. Again, we are recording on October 13th. This is Tuesday. This episode drops tomorrow, so Game 2 will have been played by the time that this episode is released. But currently, the Braves have a 1-0 lead. You know, they got the dub last night over the Dodgers. I believe it was 5-1 to with a late home run by Ozzie Albies. Austin Riley hit a homer in that ninth inning, too, I he, believe. So he I did, think there yeah, were two right home runs yep. hit in that ninth inning, which I had to laugh, E. Of course, you, know, you would think the Dodgers would know better by now. Putting 
reliever Jake McGee in the game in the ninth inning. Former Colorado Rocky. Boy, as what Rockies are they doing? fans, we know Jake McGee better than anybody, and we know that dude yeah. is a certified bum. You think you would think oh. that the Dodgers, you know, they've hit enough home runs over the last few seasons to think that, hey, let's not put Jake McGee in the game during a clutch moment in the NLCS of the playoffs. It is just, just baffling. The guy only throws fastballs. He, yeah, he, he throws. He doesn't. He, do, he doesn't know what a off-speed pitch is. And it's not a great fastball either. It's yeah, don't not, get me started about Jake McGee. It's man. not a crazy, you know, high-velocity pitch. He doesn't have a ton of movement on it. I don't love Jake McGee. Yeah. I don't like Jake McGee. I think that was a terrible call. And sure enough, it cost the Dodgers the game. I'll, I'll keep it short and sweet here. He's washed. He was pretty good with the Rays like ten years ago, whenever he played. Yeah, well, but he's just yeah. lost. When he's the not Rockies very good. traded Corey Dickerson for him, yeah, way back I when. remember. Oh, I remember. Yeah. Anyways, I think that was a stupid move by Dave Roberts. I think he's definitely kind of an overrated manager. Go check out the Small Ball podcast. Our buddy Matt Gregory, he talks all about that in that one about Dave Roberts being overrated. Yeah, I would totally actually agree with Matt on that one that Dave Roberts is an overrated manager. When are they going to start putting the the blame in the right place, you know, for losing in deep in these playoffs? They've had the most talented team for years now, in my opinion, and they just cannot seal the deal. So we'll see what happens tonight with the Braves and the Dodgers. I really actually like the Braves, especially with the recent news of Clayton Kershaw. He's been right. scratched tonight with back problems, which if you can imagine that, Clayton Kershaw having back problems. Back at it again. You know, he missed time literally 2016 through 2018 with back spasms and back problems. And again, this year he was scratched from opening day uh, due to back problems. And now, you know, they're popping up again here in the playoffs. This is not what you want to hear if you're a Dodgers fan. Yeah, and, you know, they're going to have to turn to Tony Gonsolin, who's, you know, has doesn't have a lot of experience in the majors, hasn't pitched a whole lot for the Dodgers this season. So, yeah, it's, it's it, there's scary hours in L.A. right now. It's getting a little sketchy. You know, Kershaw has been to the postseason many times, and, of course, he hasn't really come through in many of those games. So no, he, he hasn't been the most clutch that he has been in his career in the postseason. So this could be a good thing for the Dodgers. I don't know. Maybe some fresh blood, a fresh face in there in Game 2 might help them win it. You know, I, I actually do have the Dodgers evening up this series at one apiece. I think the Dodgers are too talented to go down 2-0. But it's the postseason. Anything's possible, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think this whole entire game comes down to the first three innings of the game. I think if the Braves can jump on Gonsolin early, I think it's going to be a Braves game to lose. But, you know... If he's able to hold strong through three or four innings, I think the the Dodgers will be able to make it work and finally get to Ian Anderson and hopefully start to break down that Braves bullpen with the big bats. Hopefully those bats in L.A. will start to wake up. Mookie Betts and all these guys will start to heat up. I don't know. That's our preview for Game 2 of the Dodgers-Braves. Griff, who inevitably ends up winning this series? You know, tonight's a big game. It's, you know, the Astros are down 2-0. Uh, as we speak right now on Tuesday, October 13th. But, you know, it, it's a big game, too. And I think if the Braves are able to win tonight, you know, I do like the Braves. But uh, if the Dodgers can kind of come back and bounce back and even up the series at one apiece, I do like the Dodgers. Hey, even if they are down 2-0, it's still the Dodgers. But it's the postseason, and it is the Dodgers. So <laughs> they like to choke. You know, I, I I think I like the Braves in this series, especially from what I saw in Game 1. I don't know, man. It's that timely hitting that the Braves possess. It it makes them a really attractive choice to win it all. You know, as much as I do love the Braves, I love Acuna, I love Albies, I love all of these guys, Freddie Freeman in that lineup, very dangerous lineup. I really think this is 
the Dodgers series. You know, I think it all depends on tonight, quite honestly. I think if the Braves take this game, I think it's going to be a Brave series. But in my opinion, I do think that the Dodgers are going to end up stealing this series and moving on to the World Series. Headed over to the American League, Griff, what do you think about the Astros and the Rays? Yeah, the, yeah, I'll tell you what, the Rays have come out of the gates, up 2-0 against the Astros here. They're the hottest team in baseball right now, the Tampa Bay Rays. Houston Astros kind of on their heels. You know, it should be an interesting Game 3. It's a must-win for the Houston Astros. First pitch is at 5.40 p.m. Mountain Time tonight, as of, that is Tuesday, October 13th, like we said. I'll tell you what, it's kind of like I was saying about the Braves, just that timely hitting that the Tampa Bay Rays have been possessing. You'd think the Astros would kind of come out of that slump eventually here offensively, but I don't know, E. It might be a lost cause. I do like the Rays in this series. I think it might just be too little too late for the Astros. I actually totally agree with you. I think the Astros, in order to have a chance in this series, need to do it steal at least one or maybe both of the first two games. I think the Rays are just too good. Honestly, I think they're the best team in baseball, and I think the real ALCS was their last series against the New York Yankees. I think the Yankees are just better than the Astros. But going back to the Rays, I think they are just too good right now. You know, they're pitching arms. Glass now, guys like this are dealing right now. And I just think that that pitching staff is a little bit too much to handle for the Astros. I see the Astros stealing the game tonight to go down 2-1 to one in the series, but I think this is going to be the Rays series in five games. Yeah, you know, and, I, and I, real quick too, I think the Astros, they have been piecing together some hits and getting some guys on base, but they're just leaving way too many guys on base. I mean, game one, they left 10 guys on base. Game two, they left 11 guys on base. And that's compared to three guys left on base for the Rays in game two. I mean, it's just, it comes down to clutch hitting. And you got to be a little lucky in the postseason. Kind of like the saying, it's better to be lucky than good. Mm-hmm. I say it all the time. The Rays are just, they're they are getting just those timely hits right now. Not leaving a lot of guys on base, like you said, getting that timely pitching as well. I like the Astros lineup a lot better. I really do. I think the Rays, if I'm being honest, I think the Yankees are better than the Rays. I think the Braves are better than the Rays, and I think the Dodgers are better than the Rays. Wow, see, I think I'm not that's even, a hot I'm, take. Yeah, it is a hot take. I really, truly, I don't know if it's just the Rays and their franchise and, and the, the franchise past that they've kind of had not truly building a winner. Something inside me is really holding back on, on just putting going all in on the Rays. I don't know what it is. See, I think, like you had just said, they are the hottest team right now in baseball. I mean, a Rosarina is Bulin right now. He's got a 429 batting average, four He's home runs it. in this postseason. Um, and, you know, you got guys like Manny Margot, who's absolutely balling too. I really think that that is a hot take that the Rays are, are worse than the Astros and the Yankees. I, I didn't say the Astros. But oh, I, I did say the Braves and the. I think the Braves and the Dodgers are both better. The Braves teams and the Dodgers, the yeah. And you said the Yankees. Yep. Okay. So, you, yep. yeah. I really do believe that this is the best team in baseball right now. All I just right. think their pitching staff is too good, and now their bats are, you know, really starting to heat up a little bit. So, I like the Rays in five. What's your prediction for the series? You know, I do like the Rays in this series. I do. I will have them going five games. I do. I, I don't think the Astros are going to win more than one game here. I just don't like what I've seen from the Astros in this series, if I'm being honest. You know, and I think going back to the Rays, I think a big part of it, too, is honestly just being that small market team. You know, they're not the Yankees. They're not the Red Sox. They don't generate that revenue kind of like those teams. They're even the Houston Astros kind of franchise. A very I think, small market. Yeah, I think I mean, they, were they have a lot of players that are unknown. Right. I mean, it was, they're such a small market team that before this year they were talking about 
playing half of their home games in Tampa right. and half of their games in Montreal. Well, I don't think they can. I don't think they've had great, you know, fan attendance no, in recent years. This year doesn't fans. matter, of course. But yeah, I mean, I'm looking at their lineup. You know, Austin Meadows, a pretty good player. You know, Brandon Lowe, he, he's proven that he's a you know pretty good everyday MLB baseball player. You know, Manuel Margot, Kevin Kiermeyer, who's Always kind of been known for his defense rather than his bat. I mean, I'm just kind of going through the lineup real quick here. And, you know, there's not a lot of huge names with a lot of playoff experience. So, exactly. But right there, the players you just named off, Brandon Lowe, he's hitting .088 in these playoffs. Austin Meadows hitting 118. And then Kiermaier hitting 226. Margot hitting 227. Are these playoff stats? Yeah, these are the playoff stats. So if those dudes start to heat up and play like they should, the Rays are going to be that much better. A Rosarino is hitting 429. Brousseau is hitting 364. No, I, I agree with you on that. I do. Because, I, I like I said earlier, I think they've just had those that timely hitting in this series right. and so far in this postseason. But, I mean, I'm just looking at the season stats. And Austin Meadows is hitting 205. You know, Kevin yeah. Kiermaier is hitting 217. And that's the thing, though, is, is in playoff baseball, kind of like in playoff football, right? In the NFL, if you have a good defense in the playoffs, you're going to go deep. Right. No matter how good it is. We're Broncos fans. Look at the 2015 Broncos when we won the Super Bowl. Our offense sucked, but the defense was so good it carried us through the playoffs. It's the same thing in baseball. If you have great pitching, it's going to carry you deep. Yeah, I mean, unless look, you're the look Dodgers, at those San Francisco but... <laughs> Giants teams in you know, exactly. the past 10 years. They, had, they didn't have great offenses. That's true. They had actually, honestly, those Giants teams had a lot of times below average offenses. Other than Buster Posey and yeah. Angel Pagan and those guys. I Brandon think... Crawford and Brandon Belt were never that great offensively yeah no i agree with you dude trust me i had those guys on my fantasy team a few years <laughs> you know brandon belt and brandon crawford yeah. when they were way past their prime you could blame me for drafting them to be honest but yeah it's a good debate because i mean what what kind of team and what kind of offense is this tampa bay rays team i mean are they the the team that's you know been putting together timely hits in this postseason or is it the team that was you know you know just okay offensively during the season so it's a great pitching team you know they, they have great pitchers on this team great bullpen um, and that can carry you a long way I will agree with you that in this postseason so going back to what you were saying about how you think a couple of these teams are better than the Rays give me your top four ranking on the last four teams left right now on who's the best who's the you know one two three and four so I, I'm still gonna put the Dodgers at one I, I'm, I'm not sure a lot of people will will like me saying that putting the Dodgers at one I think from from top to bottom, especially on paper, they are the best team in the majors. I, I I think a lot of people will agree with me on that one. But you know, the postseason has been a different story for the Dodgers, right? But I I will put them at one. I'll put the Braves two, Rays three, Astros four. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. See, so I have the Rays one, Dodgers two, Braves three, and the Astros four. And okay. the only reason why I do put the Rays above the Dodgers because I agree with you. Their roster is probably more talented. Yeah. I just think the Rays, they just seem like they got that it factor this year. You know? Yeah, I it just seems you. like it's their year. They're winning at all costs right now. You know? Right. Beating that Yankees team is a pretty damn impressive win. It is. A series win. I honestly think that the Yankees could be better than the Dodgers, at least more talented. Right. They're, they're right up there with talent-wise, you know? I really like the Rays. That's interesting that you're not quite as hot on them as you know, I am. Yeah, I think they're just, they might be playing a, a little... A little bit better than they are? Yeah. They're but, not quite as talented as they're but playing? But at the same time, who cares, you know? Because right. it's the playoffs, and there's not that many games left. And that's so, what sports and if you're is, hot, is about. Yeah. So yeah, like I said, I'm not counting out the Rays. I just think they might be playing a little bit better than what they are. 
No, and that's totally fair. All right, E, let's head over to the hardwood. The NBA season is officially over. The Los Angeles Lakers are your NBA champions. They defeated the Miami Heat 106-93. to In game six, that was on Sunday night, E. What are your thoughts about that overall series, about the Lakers being the champs, about LeBron James? I mean, was this a... you know, some some are saying this was a Mickey Mouse ring, E. You know, no fans in that bubble. Are you giving credit to LeBron James for winning the NBA championship, his fourth? Listen, I am not a huge LeBron James guy. It's been known. I'm not huge on him, <laughs> but I'm not delusional either. He is indeed the second best player of all time. Okay. He has not topped Jordan. But this ring was not Mickey Mouse. It is indeed still an NBA title. And he still got the job done. He beat the Heat, which is a good basketball team, even though they were injured. Jimmy Butler was exhausted. All of that, it is not a Mickey Mouse title. I think that is actually very outrageous for people to be saying that, that it was a fake title, it wasn't real. That's BS. They beat the Heat. They did what they were supposed to. What could they have done better to make this not a Mickey Mouse title? That's ridiculous, in my opinion. Yeah, I will say, you know, props to the Miami Heat for making it to the NBA Finals. I I don't think anybody really expected them to make it. Except Um, for me. I called that before the playoffs. I know, man. Good for you. (laughs) That was all you, man. I I had the Bucs the whole way, but they let me down. The Bucs really let me down in the postseason. So, yeah, I mean, congratulations to the Heat. Was there a better team out there that probably could have beat the Lakers? Yes. I I do believe that the Bucs are still a better team than the Miami Heat. You can take that to the bank. Do you think they would have beat the Lakers? No, they wouldn't have beaten the Lakers, but I, I would have given them a better chance. I th- they just have a bigger superstar in Giannis. I think he's better than Jimmy Butler. But, I, you know, it, the, the Miami Heat had a magical run, don't get me wrong. Uh, they fought hard all postseason. I, I think they only lost, what, four or five playoff games, you know, the mm-hmm. whole postseason. I think the Lakers were just on a whole other level this year, E, and that's why I had them winning the whole thing at the start of this whole bubble Orlando experience. I agree. You know, the Lakers have two top five players in basketball with Anthony Davis and LeBron that's all there has to be really you know that's all all you need to go and win a title and be super dominant especially when you have the correct role players aligned around them like Rajon Rondo Dwight Howard you know guys like that that can go out and make these plays but yeah I think the Lakers were by far the best team in basketball Um, better than the Clippers better than the Bucks better than the Nuggets better than the Heat all of these different teams I think that the champion was crowned correctly so that being said, Griff, was this a Mickey Mouse title? <laughs> well, first off, that, that is hilarious that people are calling it a, a Mickey Mouse ring. That's what's I mean, going Orlando, on Walt Disney World. It's hilarious. I yep. think it's it's pretty funny. But no, that's not fair to LeBron James or the Lakers. I mean, everybody was forced into the situation, into that bubble. Everyone had the same level playing field. No one had a home court advantage or anything. I think it would be unfair to discredit this championship for LeBron and the Lakers. It's just not fair because they were clearly the best team during the regular season when fans were able to attend and, you know, you were able to play outside of Orlando and all these different factors. So, no, it's not unfair. Do I ever think LeBron James is ever going to catch Michael Jordan? No. I, I don't care if Le- LeBron has been to 10 championship appearances. I, I just don't care. He's he's 4-6 and six now combined in, in finals appearances. So I just don't think it's ever going to happen. But you can't discredit the championship. I mean, LeBron is, you know, we talked about this kind of off the air, but he's the second best player of all time, right behind Michael Jordan in my eyes. Yeah, I totally agree. And I agree with you that he's not going to catch Jordan, no matter kind of what he does. I just don't really think he's 
ever going to be as good as Jordan ever yeah. was, you know, as dominant as much of that mentality that he had. Right. I just, you know, LeBron is an incredible player, the best player of our generation, no doubt. But yeah, I, I have to agree. He'll always be second to MJ. And, you know, I, I think there's a lot of people out there who think that LeBron James is the second best player on his team to Anthony Davis. And that's a valid point, too. I mean, you can make that so case. I you can a, make that case that Anthony Davis is actually a better player than LeBron James I have this a weird, season. I have a weird take on that. I think LeBron is a better player. He's a better player. But I think Anthony Davis is more important to the Lakers yeah. than, than LeBron is. So I mean, they, know, won, if, they obviously wouldn't have won it I, without him. Right. If I'm giving a most valuable player award, I think, and this is a hot take, I think Anthony Davis is more valuable to the Lakers than LeBron is. Because, I mean, don't get me wrong, obviously the Lakers don't win the title without LeBron or without AD, in my opinion. But I just think it may be harder to really contain AD and be able to hold him down necessarily than to LeBron. LeBron, you know what you're going to get out of him. You know you're going to be able to hold, or not hold him, but keep him at 30 points and 10 assists a game, right? Right. Don't get me wrong. That's an incredible game, and he's an incredible player. But when you start factoring in Anthony Davis to score 30, those points are more valuable than LeBron's 30. Does that yeah. make sense? So, yeah, sure. Um, I, I really think he's more valuable to the Lakers than LeBron is, but at the same time, I think LeBron's a better player. All right, E, so that leads the question. I'm going into next year. Do the Lakers have enough firepower to win another title in that loaded Western Conference. Yes, they do. I think, again, LeBron and Anthony Davis is going to be really hard to beat. Look out, though. Golden State's back. They're getting Curry and Thompson back. You right. know, they're going back to that. They almost have the same team. I mean, obviously, other than missing a lot of their role guys in their bench. But it's the same core that was considered the right. greatest team of all time, better than, you know, the, the Bulls back in the day. So, yes, I think the Lakers do have enough firepower to make it back. But also, I think the Lakers are going to add another piece. I think they're going to go in after someone like a Fred Van Fleet, a Bradley Beal. I think they're going to go in for one more scorer at a guard position to kind of replace Avery Bradley or even maybe even Rondo. But I think if they add that extra piece of whoever that may be, you know, they're going to be that much more scary. So it's a lot of it's going to depend on this upcoming free agency, which actually kind of leads me to my next question. Is Anthony Davis going to stick around in L.A.? He has a player option right now. So he can choose whether he wants to come back or not. But if he chooses not to and chooses to test free agency, all of a sudden the Lakers are in a sticky situation because they traded all that core for Anthony Davis. And yes, it paid off. They got one championship. Right. But now what are they going to do if AD leaves? That team cannot win a title without Anthony Davis. Yeah, I, I mean, he's scheduled to be a free agent this summer. That's a good question. I, I really don't see him leaving, if I I'm don't being either. honest. I don't either. I, the only reason he would leave is for money purposes, I think, because there's no way you're going to go to a better winner but than, I, than where you're at right now. Exactly, but I, I can only see the Lakers offering him a max deal, so I don't even know if that's going right. to be a money thing. So, you know? yeah, I think that this... I think the whole headline of AD being a free agent this summer, I, I'm not even sure if that's a headline, if I'm being frank yeah. with you, just because I, I think that is just borderline impossible, I think, that Anthony Davis goes and plays with another team other than the Lakers. And that's how I felt, too, until his most recent comment. They asked him about it after the game, after the finals win, and he said he doesn't know. He has no idea what the future holds. That's kind of scary, because to me, a guy who knows he's going to come back would just come out and flat out say it. Again, I think he yep. ends up inevitably in a Lakers uniform next year. But and, you it's know, scary. Well, yeah, and going to that, I think Anthony Davis is one of those guys who's you know he's not 
super verbal, uh, kind of like how LeBron James is. You know, you kind of see him in the, the post-game conferences. He's kind of the one talking, doing all the right, he's more of a post-game stuff too. for the Lakers. Yeah, yeah I think he's just he's, he's more of the face of the franchise. Right. So, you know, I'm not super surprised that, honestly, that he said that after the game, especially after just winning the NBA Finals. I mean, someone's going to ask that question right after you win a championship. I mean, that's kind of ridiculous. I think he will end up staying in L.A. You know, we'll see. It, it, you never know, I guess. Do you foresee the Lakers signing another guy or trading for someone else another maybe a third a big third piece yeah i do i think it's going to be difficult for them to do that if i'm being honest um they're going to get have to probably get rid of a few of their pieces on their roster as of mm-hmm. now to kind of move around and make room for that new star coming to la but you might kind of see um, them sell out like the warriors did for kevin durant and just get, yeah get rid of essentially their entire bench that's true and all of their role players just to have those three big pieces that is true so yeah, I could see see it ended up happening. You know, kind of like a dude who's like a like a Bradley Beal or a, a guy. Bradley Beal, a Demar Demar Derozan's a popular DeMar DeRozan. pick for me because he is a free agent, right? Coming about, you know. I think the Lakers, what they need is a uh, another point guard or a shooting guard. So I, I I think they just need a little bit better guard play for them to kind of get on that almost elite elite level. Like I'm talking like you know we're only winning losing like ten games a year kind of level. I totally agree. I think if you add a guy like Bradley Beal, all of a sudden we're getting into that conversation again of, you know, when they were like the, when the Warriors were that good with Kevin Durant, people were saying, "Hey, this could be the best team of all time." You know, right. it, it could be another one of those types of teams. I really see Demar Derozan, Fred Van Fleet, definitely being options to go there. But even a pickup that's a step down from those guys at that point guard position, like Goran Dragic, I think could be really, really beneficial for the Lakers. Yeah, I mean, there are the LA Lakers, so we're just going to have to wait and see. All right, E, it's time to talk about America's new national pastime, the NFL. Head to the gridiron. We had the Raiders and Chiefs. How about this? Raiders shocking the Chiefs. That was on the road, I believe, too, by a score of 40-32. to 32. Derek Carr went 22-31, 347 yards, three touchdowns. Pretty good game from Derek Carr there. But definitely a shocker there. What did you see kind of from that game? Well, yeah, like you said, Derek Carr absolutely balled out, and that Chiefs defense did not look so hot. But at the same time, neither really did the Raiders. It was just an old-fashioned shootout, you know? But I really did like what I saw from Derek Carr in that Raiders offense. Yeah, holy cow, no kidding. I mean, this was an offensive showdown. Uh, not a lot of defense in this one. How about, uh, yeah, 490 total yards for the Raiders in this one. 413 for the Kansas City Chiefs. So not not terrible for the Raiders, holding the Chiefs to 413 yards. Some would consider that a win for the Raiders' defense. But I, I think the big thing here was the Raiders on the ground. I mean, 144 rushing yards. Uh, you know, that's pretty good. That'll win you a lot of games. And they, and they didn't turn the ball over. So, you know, they're 3-2 and two right now, E, the Raiders. Game out of first place in that AFC West division. Do you see the Raiders making noise the rest of the year? Or is this kind of just a fluke? I'm not sure a fluke is what I'd call it, but I definitely don't think they're like a contender or anything. Okay. Um, I think, you know, they're kind of an 8-8, eight and 7-9 eight, and nine kind of team here. But the, the Raiders are kind of showing their identity to be one of these teams that can compete with really good teams and beat them you know for example i mean they just beat the chiefs and obviously they beat the saints a few weeks ago i think these next two weeks here with the buccaneers and the browns are going to tell a lot from them but i don't know that they have the defense to necessarily compete with these teams i think honestly the coaching was perfect in this chiefs win they literally laid out the blueprint of how you need to beat the chiefs and how that goes is 
They had 35 rush attempts for 144 yards. you got to be able to establish the run and move the ball on the ground. And also coming along with running the ball and getting that ground game going, it goes hand-in-hand hand with time of possession. They had 35 minutes of time of possession compared to the Chiefs' 24. Right. If you can keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands and be able to establish that run and things like that, you're going to beat the Chiefs. Okay. Right. You lose to the Chiefs when Patty Mahomes has the ball. Their defense is not good enough to strictly go out and win games. They need their offense to do it for them. So I think the Raiders right here just laid a really good blueprint for how to beat the Chiefs. But as far as if I think the Raiders are for real or not, I'm not really sure. I just think they're kind of an average 8-8 eight and eight team. But I think they're definitely improving from what they've been in the past. And Derek Carr right now is killing it. He's really playing well. And that makes things interesting over there in Las Vegas because Gruden doesn't really like Carr. It's kind of been known that he's not a big car guy, and people thought they were going to move on from him this year, and it was almost kind of a given that they're going to move on from him probably next year. Right. Uh, but I don't know. If he starts to play well and these two start to gel together, maybe he'll stick around in Vegas. Yeah, I think you nailed it right on the head, E. I really do. I think it's time to start giving John Gruden some credit. I mean, he's a great play caller. I think he's one of the better play callers he in is. the National Football League. You know, whether or not he's outdated, you know, you can make that argument. Whether his offense is outdated, whatever. I, I think he's a pretty good play caller. I really mm -hmm. do. Now, going back to the Raiders, like you said, they got the Buccaneers and the Browns next two weeks coming up. I think I'm going to make my opinion after those two games because I just think it is way too early in the season to understand what the Raiders are all about. Going back to kind of what you were saying about beating the Chiefs, yeah, you got to dominate time of possession. And I, th I think the Raiders are one of those teams that can do that, especially with Josh Jacobs on the ground just dominating the line of scrimmage. I know they have a pretty good offensive line over there in Las Vegas. It's going to be interesting. I'm not really sure what to think of the Raiders right now. If I had to say something about the Raiders right now, I, I would say they are kind of a fringe playoff team. I could see them kind of making the playoffs as a wild card. I don't really see them competing with the Chiefs at all in the division. I mean, I think I think that's kind of a little far-fetched. I, I liked what I saw from them on Sunday. I really did. They moved the ball against the Chiefs. And, and, and you know, that also drives some concern for the Chiefs defensively. I mean, what, what did you think about the Chiefs defensively? I mean, is that an area for concern if they want to repeat as Super Bowl champs? Well, the thing is, is I don't think anything's changed. I've been concerned about this Chiefs defense since last year. Quite honestly, I was very surprised when they did win the Super Bowl. And that was nothing against Patty Mahomes or Andy Reid or anybody like that. It was just strictly because I felt like their defense just wasn't good enough and you know you kind of did see that in the first half of the Super Bowl when the Niners were up and now again maybe this starts to be kind of a recurring problem I think they're a little bit better on defense than they were last year but I don't know we'll see I and you know they were they proved that they could win a title with this defense so I don't think it necessarily takes them out of the Super Bowl prediction I, I think I still have them going to the Super Bowl for the AFC but I I don't know I mean I definitely think that that is a the weak spot on their team, and that's where you need to attack is, yeah. like, you know, like we were just saying, hold the ball and run the ball, and you're going to wear them down. Outscore because, them. Exactly. If you, if you get a lead early on the Chiefs, you're going to force Patty Mahomes to throw the ball 40, 50 times, and that's important because then all of a sudden that takes Clyde Edwards-Hilaire almost completely out of the game. He only had 10 carries for 40 yards this last week. Right. And that, you know, that's not what they want. They want to be able to run the ball – 
and be able to, you know, use the play action, use Patty Mahomes secondary to running the ball, if that makes sense, right? You know, a a quarterback's best friend in the NFL is a run game. Right. You know, it's not good receivers. It's not good play calling, anything like that. It's really, truly their number one is being able to run the ball because then that opens up so many things for you. Pat Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league, okay? He already doesn't need very much help. He's amazing. But when you can add a run game... With him and his skills, it's unbelievable, and he's nearly unstoppable. So I think if you're able to hold the ball, that's how you beat the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, imagine a, a, just a lethal running game that the, the Chiefs, you know, I, I remember week one, man, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, or Edwards-Hilaire, excuse me, He, I mean, he just went off. And if you can get that production out of your running backs for the Chiefs, which they've had in recent years with Kareem Hunt, uh, Damian Williams, kind of those characters... I mean, it'll, yeah, like you said, it'll take just a huge load off Patty Mahomes' shoulders. Exactly, and especially right now, I think their window for a title is ginormous, and that's strictly because I don't know if there's a team in the league right now that has a big enough defensive juggernaut to be able to take down this offense. Yeah. You know, that, that just doesn't really – that's not really a thing right now in the NFL is there's not that big, bad defense. There's right. not that – 2013 Seattle Seahawks Legion of Boom defense. Even the Niners were supposed to be that defense, and now they're all injured, and they're not going to make it to the Super Bowl again. Right. They, they look about as pedestrian as it gets. I don't know. I really think that, you know, I like the Chiefs' chances, especially if they can run the ball, which they have to fix after this last week. Well, I got another team for you here in the AFC that is, you know, they're playing pretty well right now, and it's it's the lovable losers in Ohio. It's the Cleveland Browns. Four and one, ladies and gentlemen. Four and one. I believe they are what? I think they're tied with the Ravens for first place in the AFC North uh, right now. No, they're tied for second because the Steelers have not lost. No, you're right. Yes, you are right. The Steelers are undefeated. They uh I believe they play the Okay, so it is Browns and Steelers this weekend. So I, I do stand corrected. So it's the Browns Steelers. That is a huge AFC North divisional game there. Uh battle of first place. Someone's gonna be in first place after the end of that one. But, hey, the Browns, they're playing some good football. Baker Mayfield's not making a lot of mistakes that he kind of has been in the past. Kind of been relying on that running game with Kareem Hunt as well. What do you like from the Browns that you've kind of seen so far this season? I really like the way their offense is playing right now. The way they've set it up is they don't need Baker Mayfield to be the main focal point in that offense. You know, like with the Chiefs, right? Patty Mahomes is obviously the number one, you know, option to move the ball and produce in that offense. That's not expected of Baker in in Cleveland. So I think that's where they went right, and Stefanski is doing a wonderful job. I mean, he's setting himself up right there for coach of the year already. Right. You know, and it it was upsetting to see, you know, Nick Chubb go down and, and get injured, but Kareem Hunt is really picking up the slack. In my opinion, I think Kareem Hunt is still a really good running back, and so he's definitely a, a running back one, I think, on most teams in the league it just so happens that they have Nick Chubb now you're starting to see though these these superstar receivers that the Browns have starting to produce Odell Beckham had five catches Austin Hooper five catches Jarvis Landry four catches for 88 yards you're starting to see these guys be able to produce they're starting to block better this Cleveland team looks a lot better than they did last year but again I think the coaching here is huge for them you know Freddie Kitchens was not the answer last year but I think Stefanski's really starting to turn things around well you know I think the Browns are really starting to play you know towards their roster right I mean I, I last year I, I think everybody would agree that they were is vastly overrated. Yeah, and on, an incredibly poorly coached team. Yeah, and, and and I think, you know, kind of what 
Kevin Stefanski's done, I, I, like you said, he's done a hell of a job in, in getting this this team to play at the caliber that, that I think everyone knows that they're capable of playing. Because this is a talented roster, offensively, defensively, even special teams. I mean, they're... They're showing that they're well disciplined under Stefanski. I mean, going looking at their schedule so far, of course. I mean, they've had that just terrible loss uh, week one against the Ravens, thirty-eight to six. But since then, you know, thirty-five to thirty against the Bengals, thirty-four twenty against the Washington Football Team, beating the Cowboys pretty handily. I mean, they're putting together points. They've scored thirty points in every game so far this season. And their schedule, looking forward here. I mean, I mean, it's pretty favorable. E. I mean, you got the Steelers, Bengals after that. Then you got a home matchup with the Raiders. Texans are on that schedule. Eagles at the Jags. There's not a ton of tough games here. I, I see the Browns making the playoffs this I season. I think the three hardest games that they have left right now are going to be the Steelers and then the Steelers twice. So Ravens. next week and the last week, and then the Ravens. And I think the Titans might be a difficult game for them. But I, you're totally right. In the way that they're playing right now, they don't need Baker to be a superstar. You know, right. they're really playing to their their best personnel on this team and that's what i really like about what the coaching is doing right now they're really using their best players in the best ways possible they're, they're modeling their system around their players it's something you don't see all the time right uh especially like in las vegas it, it, gruden doesn't really form his game to his players right Correct. but you're seeing stefanski do that and i really like that yeah hey hey for all you browns fans out there they currently have the 10th best chance to reach and win the Super Bowl at 4% wow. and 1% to, uh, to win it all, respectively. Well, those are a lot better odds than they've seen in the last, yeah. boy, 30 years. And then all, so. They're also 4-1 and one for the first time since Bill Belichick was their coach in 1994. Hey, things are looking up in Believe Land. Uh, keep believing, Cleveland. I actually have you guys making the postseason, going back to that favorable schedule. They'll probably drop one or two games here and now just because it's the NFL, you know, every given Sunday. Anybody can win, but... I hey, see him going ten and six. I'm pretty high on the Browns. Yeah, I I I, I see him going ten and six. If everything goes right, maybe even eleven and five. So Griff, as you saw, the Cowboys playing the Giants. Dak Prescott goes down with a gruesome ankle injury. Oh. Really, really devastating for Dak and for that Cowboys organization. Our prayers go out to Dak. Heartbreaking, man. Brutal. I, I feel for him. I feel for that. I, I I'm not even a huge Cowboys guy. I I think they're actually a really annoying franchise. <laughs> but I do feel for the Cowboys, and especially Dak Prescott. I totally do, too. It was a real rough sequence that went down there in Dallas. But I think, you know, eventually Dak will be better for it. You know, you're seeing guys like Alex Smith and Gordon Hayward, who's also had horrible leg injuries, reaching out to Dak for support, which has been pretty great. But going back to the Cowboys and Dak Prescott, how do you think this is going to affect his upcoming free agency? Because well, if you remember, they still can't yeah. get a deal done there. And that's a good question, world. man. You know, I think, I think what we're about to see the rest of the way this season for the Cowboys, it's it's going to be pretty brutal. I mean, I have them going like five and eleven. I don't think they're. I think they're going to win probably four or five more games. Yeah. So I, I have them in the double digit loss column. But with the Cowboys going forward with the rest of the season, I think it's going to show just how valuable Dak Prescott is. It really is, and and of course Dak's on that franchise tag right as of now he's been on that franchise tag for what i think a couple of years now mm-hmm. I think um, this is his second so year. he's gonna get paid by somebody in the offseason and, and i think the cowboys are gonna realize real fast just how valuable dak prescott is to that franchise and just how good of a quarterback dak prescott is in the nfl i mean i think he's a top 10 quarterback in this league so I you know too, I, I think i think i don't think dak wants to leave dallas you know i think they will end up striking a deal but it's really gonna open up some eyes in dallas to uh, 
That Dak is worth it. I totally agree. I think Dak Prescott, it's actually a ginormous tragedy that they have not inked him to a new deal by now. I think it's been a long time coming, and I think when he gets it, it's going to be a huge deal. Much closer to where he wants, and I think this is going to end up, yeah, really benefiting him in the long term, actually. Yeah, check that, E. I guess the Cowboys season isn't over because I forgot they're playing in the NFC East. So they're currently first. They're they're in first place in the NFC East right now. So maybe the Cowboys won't realize his worth. They, you know they're going to win the division, host a home game. You never know. Maybe win that game. All of a sudden That's they're true. in the divisional round with the Red Rocket Andy Dalton himself. So I don't know. Maybe maybe they don't realize his worth. I, we're just going to have to wait and see. I mean, there's so many bad teams in this division. The NFL might single-handedly might have to do some division realignment just because of the NFC East. Yeah. You know, Andy Dalton, the Red Rocket, okay, yeah. he spent his entire career in Cincinnati. Poor guy. He did a very, very subpar job there, which is now why he's a backup. <laughs> but granted, yeah. if I had to have a backup quarterback in the league, he's one of the top few I'd choose. Yeah. You know, he's got that starting experience. He's been to the playoffs. So you never know. This Dallas team could squeak out <laughs> seven or eight wins and slide in as that division champion right which would just be asinine and terrible and the nfl's gotta realign the playoffs to where if you're not good enough to get in you shouldn't get in you know and that would just feed into every cowboys fan of just living into the night he's just living in the 90s you know know. and that would just feed right into that narrative i mean it just winning the nfc east oh you know we're we're division winners we're we're the Dallas Cowboys. It's yeah. just not, I just, it is just stupid in it my is. opinion. That whole division sucks really bad. I think the Eagles are god-awful too. Yeah. I think they, we talked about this last week, yeah, how bad they are. They, they can't figure it out, man. No one in that division can. So, uh, yeah, they have a chance of probably going 7-9 and nine and making the playoffs. Pretty crazy. All right, E, let's talk some betting here for the NFL and the NCAA. There's some good bets here to, to look at. Of course, we're starting this new segment, everybody. It's a, just a betting segment. We kind of did it last week. We'll, we'll try to kind of do a better job this week, too, of explaining what each term means because I do understand that not everyone sports bets. Not everyone is the, of age, right, and is not legal in their state. So we're going to kind of just dive into that and explain kind of what each term means as well. So let's start here with the NFL. I got a couple bets here for you that I really like. I'll start off with the Atlanta Falcons and the Minnesota Vikings. This game is way too cloudy to pick a winner for me for it to be a, you know, a can't miss bet. But I do like the over in this game. The line is set at 55. So I like the over. And for those of you out there that don't know what the over or the under means, essentially they come up with a total points mark for the entire game. So for the Falcons and Vikings, they predict that the... Vikings and the Falcons will score 55 points. That That's the line right there. So you can either choose the over, so they'll score 56 or more, or you can choose the under, and that'll be 54 or less. But in this game, I really love the over here. I okay. think the Falcons and the Vikings, both of their defenses are god-awful. And I well, think they and both the Falcons, have... And the Falcons, have, they don't have a problem scoring points, I'd no, say. No, 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 no. I mean, that's they, not why Dan Quinn lost his job. No, exactly. I think the Falcons and the Vikings both have pretty decent offenses. You know, the Vikings with Dalvin Cook and Kirk Cousins, they are able to move the ball, especially with the rookie standout Justin Jefferson balling out lately. I really like like this game to hit on the over. Okay, I like that too. I, I, I'll agree with you on that one. How about this for the spread? Okay, 
So the spread is kind of what kind of the differential of the game will be between the two teams. So for example, I have the Browns at the Steelers. Steelers are three and a half point favorites. So pretty much the general public betting world has the Steelers winning against the Browns by minus three and a half. So by three and a half points, if that makes sense. Exactly. So what that kind of means is you can either take the Steelers by four points or more, or you can take the Browns to win or lose by three points or less. Right. Exactly. So in this case, I like the Browns in this scenario. I I do actually have the Browns actually winning this game. The Steelers are undefeated right now. I think the Steelers are going to eventually drop a few games kind of coming up in this season. So I do like the Browns in this one to cover. I I have them winning outright, like I said. So that's kind of one to look for this weekend. I definitely agree with you. I kind of like the Browns in this one as well. But, you know, one thing you got to look at is if they're the underdogs here and the the spread is at three and a half. I believe those odds come to minus 110, which means that you would have to bet $110 to win an additional $100. So I think if you do like the Browns just winning outright, I think you take the money line here, which is plus 165, which would mean if you bet $100, you would win 165 additional dollars. Right. So speaking of money lines, that brings me into my next NFL bet here I really like. Actually, I don't even know if I really like it. I just kind of like it, but it is the Washington football team over the New York Giants. The Giants are actually favored in that game. So you can take the football team here on the money line. The odds are plus 125. So that, again, means if you bet $100, you win 125 in profit. But, yeah, so I really like the the football team over the Giants here, and I I like that just because I think Alex Smith is probably going to be their starter this week. And Alex Smith, in my opinion, is the best quarterback in that organization, even if (laughs) he he is. is... coming off an incredibly bad injury, and he's, as well as he's being... He's pretty much playing on one leg, isn't he? Right. Well, it, it, he's all healthy now. Yeah, but, but I mean, um, it's it's not like what it used to be, probably, right, his it, leg. Right. It's not full functioning. Exactly. But in also going, he is 39 years old, you right. know, so he's an older fellow now, but he's got that experience, and I really do think that he'll be able to get this Washington football team a few more wins than they were going to have with Haskins or with Kyle Allen at the helm there. So yeah, I really like the football team over the Giants. How about another one for AE and for the general public? Uh, Packers versus the Buccaneers. That's kind of one of the headlining games for this weekend's action in the NFL. But the Packers are one and a half point favorites there. I like the Bucks, man. I really like the Bucks. Um, I actually have the Bucks just winning straight up in this game. So um, the fact that the Packers are 1.5 favorites on the road, I believe it is. The Bucks are at home there. So, hey, I'm going to go all in on the Bucks there. I think that's a good bet. And then I also have, this one's a good one too, Rams at Niners. This one's a little more up in the air, I'd say. I mean, boy, the Niners, what in the world? Speaking of a team that really underperformed this last weekend, the San Francisco 49ers, giving up 43 points to a pretty mediocre Miami Dolphins team. Yeah, it's Rams at Niners. Niners are 3.5 underdogs in that one. But, you know, I I think the Niners are well-coached enough that they are going to bounce back and cover that spread, that 3.5 spread. And I actually have them beating the Rams, who have actually looked pretty good so far this season. I believe the Rams are 4-1. and one. See, that's interesting. I actually like it the other way around. I like the Rams in this game. And I just think, I, I agree with you that their coaching is really good. But man, Jimmy G looks like a mess right now. He looks terrible. From injury. I he mean, looks he got bad. benched for C.J. Beathard. So there's a lot of 
question marks over there in San Francisco, especially yep. with all the injuries. I don't know if I love that bet. I would actually probably hammer the Rams, but I, I definitely see yeah. where you're coming from. You know, that. I think the Rams just still scare me. I, I, I think the Niners actually, I think they're still a pretty good team. It just really depends on Jimmy G and how well he's going to play. If the Niners can get that running game going as well, I think it'll benefit them in the long run. So moving on over to college football bets here, I have a couple that I really like, and I know you do too, Griff. But the first one is going to be Auburn over South Carolina. Right now, Auburn is three. Uh, they are three point favorites over South Carolina. I think it's going to be you know worse than that. I think Auburn's probably going to win by ten points to two touchdowns somewhere in that range. So I would hammer Auburn on in that game. Okay, well this is an automatic lock, and I think it's almost an automatic lock weekly. I apologize for all the, to all the fine people out in Lawrence, Kansas, but it's going to have to be. It's West Virginia versus Kansas. West Virginia, they're 22.5-point favorites against Kansas. That's just a huge spread. But you know what? I like West Virginia to cover that spread. I, I probably have them winning by at least four touchdowns. Kansas is a bad football team. They don't have anybody at quarterback. They have a 17-year-old yeah, true have a seven, freshman. Yeah, exactly. They have a 17-year-old true freshman quarterback. They're just nowhere near being ready to compete in Division One football. It's true, and it's just sad, and it might always be that way. They have less miles as a coach, and they still can't win. So that's just sad. They got to go back to the Mark Mangino days where yeah. they went to the Orange Bowl. That was a heck of a year when yeah. like Missouri and Kansas were like one and two. Yeah, that like was in two thousand nine. Yep, man, throwback. But anyways, I like West Virginia over Kansas with that twenty two and a half point spread. You know what? I do not like West Virginia's football team this year at all. I don't think they're very good. I think their quarterback is garbage. Yeah. But I am indeed going to hammer that with you because that's how bad Kansas is and right. how bad. That true freshman is right now. I mean, I'm, he's only 17, so he should be pretty much playing high school football right now. Right. Uh, but no, he's playing D1. Yeah, I think that's kind of a lock over there. I would have to agree with you. Another game that I kind of think is going to be a lock is Tennessee over Kentucky right now. Tennessee okay. is only six-point favorites, but I think that they're going to win by you know two touchdowns to 17 points, somewhere in there. So I like Tennessee this week. Well, that's an interesting one, too. I, Tennessee is a – I don't know. I can't figure Tennessee out. They've been pretty underwhelming in years past, but they played a pretty good half of football against Georgia only to just absolutely let the wheels fall off in that second half of that game. They ended up getting blown out pretty badly by Georgia there. I would think Tennessee is the better team than Kentucky. I I don't like what Kentucky has shown so far this season, but that's an interesting bet as well. Yep, absolutely. And then going on to my next bet, Cincinnati over Tulsa. Cincinnati is actually three-point favorites over Tulsa. You know, Cincinnati is ranked really high right now. I think they are actually a pretty good football team. And Tulsa's not bad either, but I, I really do think <laughs> Cincinnati is going to win by more than three. You know, E, I can't tell you that I know a, a whole ton about both of those teams, <laughs> but I'm going to trust you on this one, and I, I'm going to I'm going to I'll agree with you on that one. I like I like the odds of that one. <laughs> and then going to my last bet of the weekend with college football, it's going to be the number five ranked North Carolina Tar Heels. E. They're ranked fifth in the nation, and it's not college basketball we're talking about right now. We're talking about Mac Brown's North Carolina Tar Heel football team. He's got them at the highest ranking since he's been there. I think it's been since 1998 since North Carolina has been ranked this high in football. So a lot to look forward Pretty to incredible. there for North Carolina. Yeah, they're, they're on the road this week at Florida State. They are 13-point favorites, and I'm hammering North Carolina in this one. Florida State is abysmal. Uh, That's kind of a mess of a program right now. They actually 
didn't get blown out as bad as I thought they were going to against Notre Dame. Maybe Notre Dame's not very good. They're not as good as we think they are. Yeah. But hey, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna hammer North Carolina in the spread on this one. I, th- I think they should be able to take care of business. I'm with you on that one. Going over to my last bet, we're going back to the SEC. The marquee matchup of the week, Bama and Georgia here. Um, Game of the weekend, I think. Number two versus number three, right? Yep. Alabama, six and a half point favorites. I think I hammer Alabama on that. I don't know if Georgia's quarterback situation is good enough to compete with Alabama. Uh, Don't get me wrong. I think Georgia's good. They're probably the best team in the SEC East, as painful as that is for me to say, considering I root for the Florida Gators. But... I like Alabama in this game. They are, like I said, six and a half point favorites. I think you hammer that. I see them winning by at least 13 points. Really? Um, and I think it's going to go anywhere from 13 to 21 points. They're going to steal that game. Okay. So, but you're not, you're giving Georgia no shot to win that football game. I'm not saying no shot. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, mean, I still think they're very points. good. That's a, that's a pretty yeah. good margin. I, I think they're a very good team, but, you know, I, I think that Alabama is probably going to go, you know, be up by a touchdown at half. You know, Georgia's going to keep it close, and then all of a sudden Alabama will start to blow it open a little bit, like they always do. But yeah, I I really do like Alabama in that game. Yeah, r- real quick, I'll, I will say I I think it's going to be a close game, and I actually like Georgia to cover that spread. I really do. Really, I think it's going to be like a field goal game, man. It, really? It's really okay. going to come down to the quarterbacks in this one. Stetson Bennett for Georgia. He's he's played turnover free football so far. He's got five touchdowns on the year, no interceptions. And then, of course, Mac Jones for Alabama. He's played pretty well this year. Eight touchdowns to only one pick. It's going to come down to the quarterbacks and who's going to make that big play because the defense, it's, it's, I would say it's going to be a pretty low-scoring game. The defense is going to rule in this one. The, the running game is going to be real important in this one as well. I just, yeah, like you said, I'm not sure if Georgia has enough firepower on offense to overcome Alabama, but I, I do expect this one to be close. I think they do end up covering that spread. And to go along, you know, with my pick for Alabama and your pick for Georgia, I think we both can probably agree that it might hit on the under in this game. The over-under is marked at 57. I think it's probably going to be kind of a low-scoring game. Right. I would say it might even be like a 27-13 to 13 ball game. That's probably my final score. Uh, so if that's what it comes down to, it still misses that over by 17 points. I like the under in that game. All right, E, how about some games to watch for this weekend? Absolutely. I'm going to keep my eyes peeled on the MLB playoffs, the ALCS, and the NLCS. I think those are going to be great series to watch. Okay. Hey, can't go wrong there. I'm going to go with the college football game of the weekend, number three, Georgia, versus number two, Alabama. That's a primetime game on CBS that starts at 5 p.m. Mountain Time. So be on the lookout for that one. It should be a good one. Any closing thoughts from you, E? Absolutely. Check out our website, showcasesportsmedia.com. We have all kinds of cool articles and stuff going on there, as well as other podcasts available. And then follow us on Instagram at Showcase Sports Media. Thanks for listening. That's going to be a wrap. Cheers from Showcase Sports Media. We'll see you next week.